The views and opinions expressed by individuals on the following program do not necessarily reflect those of the network, Guys Guy Radio, and its platforms. It's Guys Guy Radio. Here's your host, Robert Manny. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show where men and women can be at their best and everyone wins Guys Guys Radio. We're here to inform you, inspire you, empower you, and get you to think and feel and who knows, maybe even act based on the journeys, stories, experiences, and insights from the guests I bring you each and every week to the show, and we've got a great show for you today. Our special guest is a unique guy. He's had certainly a unique experience. He claims to recall knowing what it was like and being aware and working with guides in some type of dimension prior to his birth and his life here on planet Earth as who he is now. His name is Christian Sunberg. It's an amazing story. He's got a book about it we're going to get into called The Walk in the Physical, Understanding the Human Experience Within the Larger Spiritual Context. Very interesting stuff. I'm sure others have had this experience, though I haven't heard of anybody who has. And it's interesting because Christian claims to have worked with guides to determine what his tasks and journey and learning would be in this life and how he chose his parents and certain experience he would have. And... According to Christian, life here in the 3D, the third dimension, is not always an easy one, but ultimately it's all about the love, and there's a lot of experience to be had that can help us on our journey to ascension. So Christian Sundberg, our very special guest today on Guys Guys Radio. All right, what's going on out there for you today? Well, we're in late April, heading towards May. We've got Mother's Day coming up. We've got kids are going to start graduating from school soon. We've got Father's Day in June. We've got all kinds of things happening as we round the turn, heading towards the summer. Great time of year. You know, I'm in San Diego, and uh, the baseball season is in full swing here. And it's interesting, this from a cultural standpoint, because I'm from New York in the New Jersey area, and there's a lot of Yankee fans, particularly in northern New Jersey and New York, of course, And every once in a while, you'll see people wearing Red Sox hats or jerseys or whatever, and nobody gives them a hard time or anything. You don't think too much of it anymore. It used to be way back in the day, nobody would wear a Red Sox hat or jerseys, but now they've won a number of world championships. So you see them around, and in the city, you see people wearing hats and uniforms and jerseys and all that stuff from every team and every sport, and nobody thinks twice, and you know, New York's a real melting pot. But it's interesting, out here, I'm in San Diego, and they have San Diego needs a championship. Where I'm from New York, and the Yankees have won 27 world championships, and San Diego hasn't won anything. They had an NBA team, the Clippers, they moved to L.A. They had an NFL team, the Chargers, they moved to L.A. Now they've got the Padres. The Padres have been in the World Series twice. They've gotten blown out, I believe, twice by the Yankees. The Chargers, when they were here, they got to the Super Bowl, they got blown out. And this town really, really wants a championship out of the Padres. So it's interesting because I hear people selling their tickets. Oh, you can't sell a ticket to the Dodgers fan because the Dodgers were in town this past weekend. And I noticed so many people in town walking around with Dodgers outfits on, like as many as I saw wearing Padres uniforms. 
and jerseys and hats and all that stuff. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And then I saw some footage in the papers and, you know, laid back California. People were squaring off and fighting, the Dodgers and the Padres fans. And then the Dodgers won two out of three. And it seems like the Padres fans and the folks in San Diego, they really have a lot of anxiety about the team because they really want a championship and they've got a lot of great players and they've got a new manager and they're pointed in the right direction. It's just really tough for them because every time they make a move to improve the team, the Dodgers do something also and the Dodgers are arguably the best team in baseball and they've been really great over the past decade or so. So it's really interesting as a sports fan who's not from here, seeing that dynamic. And I'm rooting for the Padres because I'd like to see them win a championship because I think this town would explode. So Guys Guys Radio, very special guest today. Once again, Christian Sunberg. We're going to talk about, we're not going to talk about the Padres, but we're going to talk about Christian's memories of his pre-birth experience. Interesting stuff. So let's get to it right now. Guys Guy Radio. Okay, Guys Guys Radio. It's a special guest time on the show, and I've got a very fascinating individual today. His name is Christian Sunberg. Let me tell you a little bit about him. When he was a young child, he remembered his existence before coming to Earth, if you can imagine that. With that memory, left him completely for his early adult life, but it spontaneously returned 12 years ago, as Christian took up a meditation practice and went through a personal awakening journey, he also began to have out-of-body experiences, also known as OBEs, and um, he now officially speaks publicly as he seeks to remind others in at least a small part of who we really are beneath the human play. Professionally, Christian has worked for 16 years as a project manager for a complex nuclear pump and valve manufacturer, and he's the author of the book we're going to talk about today. It's called the Wa- A Walk in the Physical, which attempts to succinctly describe the larger spiritual context in which we exist and the importance of love in our human journey. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio, Christian Sundberg. How are you, Christian? Welcome to the show. I'm great, sir. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, let's start right at the beginning, because I went through your book and I saw some videos with you and interviews with you, and it's a It's interesting uh, what happened to you. So let's start at the very beginning for our audience. What happened? How did you remember these pre-birth memories? And as part of that, you remembered having pre-birth memories. But where were you in that pre-birth state? Where had you come from to get there? Well, first of all, I'm going to try to share using language because that's what we've got. But I need to disclaim before I do that language is incredibly limiting. (laughs) It just has to be said up front that words are form symbols that are based in the context of our local world and who we are just fully transcends this local context. So I'll, I'll do what I can to speak to it, but it's just absolutely not speakable. Uh, Okay. So that's just a quick disclaimer. And I think that is important to say, because I think on earth, we often think, oh, you know, we'll just put this story on it, put this description on it, this understanding. Now I got to figure it out. Well, the the larger context that we come from is, is very vast and deep. So to speak to your question. So how did, how did this return for me? So as you mentioned, I had pre-birth memory up until the age of about five or six as a very small child, I assumed everybody did. And that memory left me completely then around the age of six or so. 
And I had no memory of that at all, you know, like, like everybody until about the age of 30, which is 12 years ago, I took up a long-term meditation practice. You know, and at first I was just meditating because I, I felt relief <laughs> from the stress and the bombardment of thinking all the time. But after a few months of meditating, I had my first non-physical experience, a very brief, but very eye-opening out-of-body experience that really compelled me to continue down this path. I mean, it was, it was very eye-opening and shocking. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this, the, <laughs> there really is something here. Not that I was even trying to find that. It was just, it happened. And as I continued to meditate then, uh, eventually these pre-birth memories just returned very naturally and unassumingly even. It was just like someone had blown leaves off of the ground or something, and there's the ground. And was it was the, so what, normal. What was the first thing you remembered? Well, the first thing, well, it's hard to say what the- I mean, to okay, get you into the time state is where, to realize that you were having pre-birth memories, what was the first memory that triggered the fact like, oh, I'm having memories of who I was before I was born? When the memories returned, it was just apparent and they were kind of all at once. These things aren't like physical memories where you just have one and then the next, and then you're going to the store and then you're buying groceries. It's not like that. I remembered many aspects of the pre-birth experience all at the same time. Okay. And the primary element of it that has stuck with me and that I think of even every day now is what I would call the process of accepting the veil. That is the, the, the vibrational distance between our higher state, our true state, and this state as an incarnated physical being. And that distance is something I feel now. Uh, and, and I remember taking that step, that huge step, which is, I can describe it if you like, um, but it's, it's very difficult to put words on, but it's like a, imagine your being being connected to everything, all things and being totally full of joy and love to a degree that cannot be articulated and having all knowing there and, and going from that place down, 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 down in vibration. I, I like to describe it as a vibration because it's like, it's like a vibration in the being a mm -hmm. vibration in the field of your awareness. And I like to describe it using a metaphor. If you have like a, an amplifier, a sound amplifier that produces a pitch, mm -hmm like, and then you turn down the knob, you know, you turn it down and you turn it down some more and then you turn it down some more and then crank it down more and more and more and more and more. That's what it felt like. And having all my knowledge be removed and my connectedness disappear. And so when the memory returned, I recalled taking that step and knowing that I was at that place now, you know, as a part of the physical experience, I'm in this state of being limited in a way that is non-native, the non-native state of separation. I don't know if that speaks to Yeah, absolutely. And today, again, we're talking about Christian Sundberg and his pre-birth memories and how that impacts his life now on the planet. Well, a lot of people say that they come to the earth plane with a group of like-minded, if you will, soul family, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Did you have any inklings of anything about that when you were kind of reviewing kind of where you were and what the next steps were, were in terms of entering earth as a human being? In my case, okay, so in my case, my primary intention was and is 
to integrate a very specific fear, a low vibration state of being that before had bested me. And since my intention was specific, this is a long and complex process, but the guides brought to me a life, like a life package, you could say, and that life package was appropriate for the intention. So in my case, my focus was not on exploring certain relationships with others that I had known before. My personal intention for this life was more focused on being able to integrate a very, very low vibration experience, a low vibration fear because of the incredible expansion that would be possible in meeting and integrating that experience. And when I reviewed the life before accepting it, I did review my parents, but I saw them not just as the human characters. They were, you know, they're they're the souls playing those characters. The, The mother and father human are not really all that they are. That's just like a role they're playing. And I was aware of the true nature of my parents and I was aware of who they are as humans, uh, even before I was born. But in my case, that relationship um, wasn't the primary reason for my, you know, my coming, this incarnation. So guides, so who were the guides? Were they angels? Were they orbs of light? How many of them were they? Did they have names? Uh, How did you communicate with them? And are they with you now? on your earthbound journey? Let's try one at a time. (laughs) It's a good list of questions. (laughs) So first of all, in the human realm, we tend, okay, so on earth, we think that reality is made up of an external shared environment with objects in it. So of course, the questions that we ask one another are, tell me the objects, tell me how many objects, tell me the shape of the objects and what do they look like? That's just the way that we are accustomed to to perceiving what reality is but it is only one framework. Ours is a very specific and dense and consistent framework, the physical framework, but it is only one state of being. It is a very specialized actually state of being. So while there are elements to this that certainly are visual and have quantities and things like that, it's very important to disclaim that that kind of nature is, it's very difficult to speak to that in a way that makes sense on earth. Uh, because our higher state is not limited in the same way it is here. For instance, here we're limited to discrete location. There is no limitation to discrete location on on that side. (laughs) Like It's not like you're over there and I'm over here and I see that you're standing over there and I'm only over here. No, our connectedness is known. And another being can be perceived and felt as a part of you. So I'm just saying that as an example, because it's like, you know, you, how can you even speak to that then when that, when are the limitations are so much less there? Okay. But to speak to the guides, there was one primary guide that initially came to me many times to encourage me and kind of nudge me about moving to this next step of the incarnation process. And that primary guide assisted with bringing me a life packet. But I remember there being a group of guides and I can't say the number It wasn't a focus on the number, but there was a group of them that helped me review this life plan, you could call it. I I, I like to describe it like a flow chart. It wasn't really so much about, I mean, there were events in the flow chart, but it was more about what it would be like to experience being me in this context. And I reviewed that context with this group, however many there were telepathically. This is all an exchange of information that doesn't need to be spoken in words. And it's all very thorough and full and instantaneous. Like I reviewed this entire flow chart of millions and millions of possibilities of what this life could be like all, you know, within the blink of an eye, it wasn't difficult at all to do that. And so part of that review was asking questions about the life and asking questions about 
what I could experience or who I could be, you know? So, um, and there are visual elements to this. Like for instance, just before I accepted the life, I was in what I would call a waiting area. And I remember there being this, this beautiful golden light and, and just being in a place that was so peaceful and enriched and this being coming to me over what felt like my upper left shoulder now. But again, there's no orientation in that way. It's like a 360 degree awareness this being coming to me and saying, go now. <laughs> but again, there's no visual element to that, but it was very clearly communicated. And then just before I accepted the life itself, the last, and again, this isn't linear time. So again, I say last, but it's, it's, it's hard to put an order on it, but I could say the last moment before accepting the incarnation, I was in a place that looked like what you could call a, a shop or something, a mechanics area that had a huge pit in the middle of it. And I was kind of hovering over that pit as an awareness. And these beings that were there, I like to describe them as technicians or tinkerers. I don't know how many there were, but they were very mechanical in nature. And I could feel their nature and I could feel what they do. And they do this process where they like make the veil fit for you because the soul has so many unique qualities and they review your qualities and they know like in fullness who you are. And they also review the context of the life, the, uh, including the circumstances and the body limitations and all the rest. And they do this organic process where it kind of like makes it all jive and fit. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's, yeah. So I don't know if that speaks to your question. Yeah, but... <laughs> all of it does. All of it does and more. So what was the point when you entered the body to be born? Was it six months before and you were inside your mother's room or was it when you were being born, your soul entered that body and out you came? Or do you know? For me, for me, I perceived it as a significant duration of time before the physical birth. I don't know when in the pregnancy. I, I have no idea. Mm -hmm. But I remember being in the womb after accepting the incarnation. And at first, almost rejecting it once again, which I've shared in uh, you know, my other videos that I've participated in, but mm. I was overcome by fear immediately upon coming because the vibrational distance between there and here was so significant. And so that was in the womb when that happened. And okay. after, after that, I was in the womb for a duration and I don't know how long that duration was, but it felt like a long time. Okay. Let me circle back to something I, I asked you earlier. And forgive me, I've asked you a lot of questions in a, in a no, row. But, uh, soul group. Sometimes we've, we've talked about and we've heard about, you know, groups of people who come to the planet kind of together and uh, they're in and out of each other's lives. You may not know it while we're here, but mm -hmm. when we go home, if you will, then people say, oh, hey, you played that role, you stinker, you or whatever. Yeah. But you did a great yeah. job. And it might be something that was even unpleasant because we were learning a lesson through that individual. What is your sense of that? And did you have that occurrence for yourself? So, yeah, I, I, I do. I am aware that that happens, that we do make plans to come and play roles for one another. In my own case, the only thing that I'm aware of now is, like I said, that that review where I reviewed for this life, all that huge <laughs> flow chart with the focus on being an opportunity to re-engage and process this, this one specific fear. So for me, the relationships and the roles were not my primary focus this time. I mean, it's possible that I have made some agreements to have some roles with some individuals. Like I have two children now. I, I don't know. Maybe the higher portion of myself has you know, been aware of that or made some agreement, but I'm not aware of that. Um, what I'm aware of is in 
before this life, focusing on that intention of trying to actualize the experience of going very far out in one certain vibrational direction and having a chance to process that experience. But, okay. but I'm aware that for many, that, that plan may certainly include certain roles or relationships. You mentioned that you had to deal with one of your challenges in this incarnation is focusing and overcoming kind of a low vibration that's fear-based. I want to hear more about that. And was it fear of anything specific? For instance, some people, for whatever reason, and I I do hypnotherapy, so I know that, you know, nobody's necessarily born with a fear of water, but maybe when you regress somebody, you find out when they were three years old, they were at the pool and their mother was having a martini and flirting with the lifeguard and you fell in the water and you thought you were going to drown and you've been afraid of the water ever since. It was something that happened here. Do people, though, come into, and from your perspective, Christian, into this life and yourself included with fears of something specific that they need to overcome, whether it's heights or water or rattlesnakes or spiders or whatever, or is it just a, a, for yourself, was it just fear in general as opposed to love? And that's something you needed to address. So it's kind of a two-part question. What was the, what was the process for yourself And from your perspective, do people enter into the world with predisposed fear already baked into their genetic makeup? Okay. So first of all, fear is when seen from that side is not a fear of a specific object or thing or place like we experience here. Fear is actually, fear arises when we buy into a perception that is not in alignment with the truth of who we really are. So if we're in a state that we feel powerless, for instance, powerlessness is not in alignment with the truth of our true being. Our real being is just totally full of power and has no limitation. (laughs) So, but when we are engaged in an experience where we are suddenly very limited, you know, maybe we're stuck in a place or underwater or something, or we we perceive that I can be harmed or I could be killed, you know, whatever the perception is that we haven't fully integrated yet, that prompts fear uh, and so it is a, a perception, a, vibra- a perceptional vibration that is the, really the fear. Objects just trigger that. Objects are actually fundamentally neutral. It's just that we respond to objects and context. So in my case, the fear, uh, the best way I could describe it would be the, the perception of being in, in, unable to escape agony, unable to escape pain, being powerless to escape pain, mixed with being too proud to suffer. Like I'm too, I'm, I can't, I'm not, I can't tolerate this. I can't handle this. I I can't escape this. And I'm, I won't let myself feel this pain. That's the best way to describe it. And the way that that actualized in this life was a traumatic medical experience at the age of 22 in China. But in a previous experience, I'm aware, I don't know the details of all of this, but I'm aware I had lived an experience where that fear had overcome me. And I had basically grown into an an egoic monster. (laughs) I'm sorry, you know, sorry to say I had harmed many others. And I was aware of that after I'd returned to the other side. So before this life, I knew that, oh my gosh, the amazing opportunity, if I could re-meet this fear and and, and integrate it and heal it, then there would be an expansion of being into that distance. You know, think of fear as like a, um, a signpost of an opportunity for growth. You know, we're afraid of that, which we have not yet integrated. And so fear is actually kind of like a sign, like, Hey, there's still some part of you that is not fully integrated the depths of this experience. And, you know, <laughs> and being human, 
is one heck of an experience. It's extremely limiting, extremely dense, extremely consistent, extremely far out on the separation scale <laughs> or whatever. It's very unique in that way. So it has the ability to, the potential to prompt very deep fear. And that is one of actually the great opportunities of the human experience. It's, it's not that we are shy you know, we're actually very creatively ambitious and we see the potential personal growth and growth of the whole that can happen if we are able to meet difficult experiences and overcome them and integrate them. We are integrators of experience. That, that's what we are. And as we integrate experience, what we're really doing is growing towards love. Love is, love is the, the bottom line. <laughs> love is our true nature. And so as we process darkness process fear integrate that that depth of contrast that's like a tool that we use so as to expand the depth and richness and and fullness of what we really are which is love like you know when you overcome fear you're able to express love better and more in a more thorough way guys guys radio my special guest christian sunberg we're talking about a lot of stuff, but one of the things is his book. It's called A Walk in the Physical, Understanding the Human Experience Within the Larger Spiritual Context. And that's exactly what we're talking about now. And there's so many questions I have. So let me see if I can get to as many as possible. And if, if I can't, well, I'll invite you back. We'll do part two because this is fascinating stuff. And I think these are things that people need to be mindful of and need to be present and mean to be more aware of. Because when we talk about fear, I've never seen in my tenure on this planet in this incarnation, the fear dial turned up so high to keep people absolutely paralyzed with fear these days. And I, I assume it's some type of controlling tactic, but whatever it is, it's certainly prevalent. But let me just shift back for a moment and talk about guides, Christian. You, you, do you now communicate with your guides when you go into meditations while you're here being Christian Sunberg? No, I don't. I'm aware of their presence occasionally but their nudges are quite subtle. In fact, one time I asked a gentleman that also has some non-physical exploration experience if he could check to see if I even have guides, which I know I do, but I was being a bit facetious. And he came back later and said, yes, but they say that if they interact with you directly, you're so intellectual that you will take what they have to say too seriously and, take, and rely on it too much. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Which now, is probably true about my personality. <laughs> well, let, let's go back then to your pre-birth. Do you recall any other incarnations, whether here on planet Earth or in other places in the universe, the solar system, other planets, you being a different type of being, who knows, a reptilian, an insectoid, a blue avian, whatever though, you know, that we read about, do you recall any other incarnations as human and also in other areas and other places. I, yeah, I, I have only three specific memories about that, though I know that I have lived at least hundreds of times because after meditation, one time I became aware, I saw these spheres of experience that I, I that are me. I am, I was this, it's the same me that feels like me to me that has done all these things, not different people. Uh, but anyway, I'm aware of one experience where I was a woman, a, a female uh, human, and I had given birth. And I remember the childbirth being extremely painful and then having this same fear that I'm dealing with in this life arise because I was, I was so I was pregnant a second time and I had fear about the pain of having to go through childbirth again. 
And I don't remember much about that experience, but I do remember this, this setting being very simple, um, you know, technology wise or whatever, very simple. And I also have one experience of, <laughs> I know this is going to sound strange and I'm just going out on a limb here, but I remember being some kind of migrating bird. I know that sounds crazy, but I remember this extremely spiritual feeling experience actually of being and a very physically stressful, uh, like physically um, demanding experience of flying and, and feeling very compelled to stay with the group and a very different cognitive, like almost totally alien cognitive experience uh, of that, you know, in that experience. And I have some simple imagery associated with one non-human life, but it was some kind of intelligent civilization. I don't know what it is. I'm not going to try to label it. I'm, you know, I'm very careful mm -hmm. about labeling okay. that kind of thing. It does. I don't think it's that important to label, but I do know I've had at least one non-human experience like that. Yeah. Okay. So if people get this little game plan before determining when they want to come back, and then we have so many people on the planet itself, and this is a special place. And we'll get into that, that it's a gift. It's tough, but it's a gift also of, because of all we can learn. Why do not more people say, all right, I want to come back and I want to overcome this thing and get this lesson, but I want to be Mick Jagger. You know, I want to sing in front of, you know, thousands of people or something like that, or be a famous person or have this huge contribution instead of being, you know, the guy who makes pizza or the, the Uber driver or whatever. There's nothing wrong with anybody who does anything. In fact, the real heroes of the world right. are, are the unsung, but how yes. does somebody determine I'm going to be Derek Jeter and somebody else says I'm going to be a quadriplegic? Right. Well, I certainly can't speak to the breadth of that uh, process or assignment, but I, I'll say a couple of things. First, the spirit is extremely unique. Each one of us is so, so unique. Like I know we all kind of look the same. We all have a head and shoulders and eyeballs, but the individual, who we really are as individuals are like unique galaxies or something, you know, we're each our own universe. And so the history and qualities and intentionality and patterns of each soul are very unique. So the reason that any given person may choose and wish to have any one given experience are also very unique. So it can't be easily identified. But I will say that the, so first of all, I'm sure there are those that pick to have certain experiences that we might think are super wonderful. <laughs> but, but the thing is, the earth is an extremely limiting place and, it is, and it's an extremely specific type of experience. The breadth and joy of our higher natures is beyond description. The, the, the joy is beyond description. So this is, this is a place we come then to have a very unique and specific type of experience. And what I can say at least is that in my experience, the guides, I communicated that with them and I went over with them, like what would be best for me as I learned and, and grew. And again, this learning isn't intellectual learning. Okay. It's, it's experiential growth, experiential learning. It's actually getting in the rubber meets the road learning <laughs> and actually being something, being a person, be, being someone who has to actually make decisions. And so what that will mean for each person is unique. And then in my case, the guides brought me a life that was appropriate, you know, that was a good match. I don't know how they do that, but I think metaphorically, if you want to think of it like reviewing a database or something, you know, they go out there and they can review all the po potential life slots, you could say, or avatar po <laughs> potentialities, I don't know, 
and they review the qualities of them and the full context of, the, of them. And they kind of review you and say, yeah, mm, I think this might be a good fit. And then it's up to you to review and decide if that's something you're interested in doing or not. So I think it's probably unique for each individual, but that's at least a comment I can make about the process mm-hmm. as I experienced it. How about from your perspective, uh, free will? Some people say that we have free will in the in the same amount that you know a bull tethered to a pole does. You know, we have some, but not that much, as not as much as we think, but we do have some. And as part of that, going through life, are there kind of checkoff points where we may we may transcend, we may die, but we choose not to, or we may shift mm-hmm. our path and get well and change our diet or this or that. And how much of the, you know, what type of elasticity do we have with free will for all of it that we experience here on planet earth from your perspective? And again, I don't expect you to have all the answers to the secrets of the universe, but based on your experience and thank you for understanding. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. No. And I really enjoy the like the okay so the word you used elasticity is a great word <laughs> so if i like that word because it so first of all okay the thing that has the real power always is consciousness and and the and so consciousness is like the substrate that is and then what does consciousness do it wields intent and that means within a system like ours it makes choices the choice that we make is not necessarily like we might identify our choice as being for some reason, but deep, deep down, we have a real reason for making our choice. That's what I mean by intent. That is the, the real movement of the soul. Okay. So yes, there, I feel very strongly that there is free will, but it's free will within an extremely limited context. <laughs> and that's the key. Being human is off the charts in terms of limitation in comparison to our true state. And then once you're here in the limitation, you get to decide whatever you want. You can make any decision you want. It's just that there are so many limits, biological limits, societal limits, space-time limits, physics, you know, all the things that you really can only make so many choices. And most people only are aware of a very small subset of the larger choice set that they really do have. <laughs> so out of the very small identified choices is usually what most people are choosing from. But within the decisions that are possible, you do have free will. And what I mean is within, I'll put it another way, within the limitations of the physical experiences context, you do have free will. And then beyond the physical, when the constraints are released, you still have free will, but now your limitations are much, much, much less. So now how does that play out in the physical is when I reviewed the tree, the flow chart, there were certain avenues that were very high or very low in probability. And that just means that at the time that I reviewed it, we could say the system, like maybe use a neutral term. I like, I like the teaching of the physicist, Tom Campbell he uses some good language for this. But the system is really good at predicting outcome and because it knows everything. It has all the data. It, 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 the whole physical universe is like a big virtual reality that is being run. And it has it knows the rules of it. And it also knows every single player in the game pretty darn well. But there is free will. So it doesn't have perfect predictive predictability. It knows what's likely, especially because there are certain energetic eras that are occurring. You could call it like, chapters in a play or something that the human race at this time is going through a certain era 
And that movement can be seen and is understood. And so the probability of various avenues is seen quite clearly. But what's the variable that makes it not a certain avenue? The variable is free will. The variable is that each one of us is making choices every day. And we just may make choices that bump others in ways that are unanticipated. But that is exactly what makes this physical universe so amazing, is that novelty and unexpected results can happen. <laughs> because that can't, that's something that can't happen in a higher state where all is known. Here is a place where you set very strong limitations, and then you set the players loose, and they get to make choices. And now things might happen that are unique. <laughs> and then you got to see what you do with that. So there's a, there's karma and there's a co consequences based on actions and uh, people say, oh, well, you know, if, if the universe is all love and God is forgiving and what happens to, you know, Hitler? And that's the obvious question that comes up all the time. And then uh, yeah. for our actions themselves, how do we, why should we even pay attention to the law if it's all forgiven anyhow? So what's your response to those yeah, and there are concepts, two, if you will. Yeah, there there are two there are two things happening at the same time that sound contradictory but are absolutely not contradictory. The first and more fundamental of the two is that we are absolutely unconditionally loved. Unconditionally loved, no con no conditions, no matter what. And that needs to be bold underline <laughs> maximum font size whatever. We are loved no matter what simultaneously in the, shall we say, natural laws or divine laws that exist, we are all absolutely 100% accountable for every single action, every single thought, every single intent, everything. It all is a part of who we are, we could say. And karma is just a crude word that we use for what we could say is energetic accountability. So it just means if you know if i have a lot of fear and then i become an egoic person because my ego is trying really hard to help me pr to protect myself from fear and i hurt others then when i get to the other side i see i have that fear that i that fear is a is a part of me and so i'm responsible for it even now and so then it's my choice to say wow it would be it would be best if i could really heal that and integrate that and move past that because again, that, that decision made, everything that I was is a part of me. And we are all like that. You know, we all have, we could say, energetic momentum based on the quality of our intention, based on the quality of our choice making. And it can lead to future experiences, whether in this life or in a future life. And it's not some harsh, you know, like eye for an eye system. That's not, that's not the nature of it. It's simply that we are 100% accountable because that is the, uh, words are hard here. I was going to say best way, but I, I certainly won't speak <laughs> to the way spirit operates, but I'll just say that that is a way that leads us ever towards growth of love, towards love and past fear and ego. What is God from your perspective and from your experiences? Yeah, so... That's another example of a question where we like to think we know things are real, like energy and objects and people. So is God like a man? Is he like energy? Is he like what? What's, what's... objects have existence because of that, which gives rise to them. And I know that sounds cryptic, but it's important to recognize the fundamentalness of God of source. 
So metaphorically is the best I can do. <laughs> okay. The metaphor would be that every soul is like a drop in the ocean. And God, source, that's probably maybe a better word, is the entire ocean, the all that is. But it's not just an impersonal thing. It's also the, the full, sentient, loving, beyond language, most personal source of all of us that is in all things. Um, so we could say it's a sub. We could say he or she. It is a substrate, but it's also sentient and fully, <laughs> unconditionally loving beyond any comprehension. Like very, very aware uh, and and real, more real than anything in this world. Actually, people talk about you know manifestation as then the law of attraction and all that stuff. Wow. How can people? tap into their godliness, go inside, and also from the sentientness of everything, to tap mm -hmm. into God, to heal themselves, to manifest things, to solve their, you know, day-to-day -day 3D type problems. How can people work with guides, work with the other side, be in contact with those who have crossed over, etc., live more of a metaphysical existence instead of our reactive existence and become more responsive yes more more responsive to that deeper nature yeah so that is a very personal question for each individual because each person's walk with the divine will be unique and that i think that's really important to lift up because each person's process and the way they experience reality in fact is incredibly unique but I'll at least make one tangible comment because we like <laughs> we need tangible things while we're human we need something specific in my case, meditation was a, a, a world changer. It was so important. And it was, you know, it starts as an activity. It sounds like a, a physical activity. Well, it can start as an activity. But it is very important to take that time to focus our awareness towards awareness itself, not towards the many objects in the mind that seem so real, all the thinking, all the stories. And the reason I say that in the context of your question is the deeper we are associated with the thoughts and with the labels and with the story, the deeper our experience here of separation is. In fact, it's very painful to think all day long. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just very painful to only think you are this small story with these problems and these limitations and I got to get this next thing and oh my gosh, and, you know, and the ego's driving the bus all day, next thing, next thing, next thing. That it's just a it it's it's very painful because our true nature is not so beholden to form as we have like we we've come so deeply we've come so deep into this experience of separation that it it hurts at times. So meditation is very helpful because as we redirect our attention away from these super important thoughts towards that awareness that is always present that field of aliveness, the aliveness of your body and of your mind itself with no need, just, just for a few minutes, just for 20 minutes or 40 minutes, you give yourself permission. Don't you just for these 40 minutes, I'm not going to worry about all these very important thoughts, you know, because your thoughts are coming in, they're arriving because you think they're important. So they're important. They're going to keep coming because you, you, you decided they're important. So they're going to keep arriving. Well, just for this time period, you just totally give yourself permission <laughs> These thoughts are not, not important for these 40 minutes. I'm just going to focus on, well, at first you pick a neutral object and I speak to this in my book somewhat um, because I think it's important to have something specific to do when you start. 
But you start focusing on a neutral object just so you can regain your focus, you know, because at the beginning, you're lost in thought. <laughs> you don't have any, you're lost in the river. The river is pulling you along. But over time, as you regain the ability to focus, you can actually let go of even the object of focus in your mind and simply be aware of the present moment itself for all that it is. Be aware of the aliveness of who you are, you know, the aliveness of this present moment. And you're not trying to accomplish anything when you do this. But what may happen is the deeper parts of yourself may rise up all on their own. I mean, that's how I experienced it is that by going down this path, it wasn't like I was trying to do something. It's just that as the stories were let go, everything else rose up. And that may include fear, by the way. I don't want to go down too big of a tangent, but if you let go of your ego stories, it means the stories that are protecting you, you're letting go of too. So if you have real feelings locked down in there, they may rise up to be felt. And that's okay. That's good, actually. If feeling okay. and, and allowing all that is, is, a, is a powerful path towards what you asked about. Okay, Christian Sundberg, my very special guest. We're talking about a walk in the physical and understanding the human experience within the larger spiritual context and his pre-birth kind of knowing. Have you ever doubted your experience and said, you know, maybe I just meditated this and, and I'm just doing what I'm doing? That's number one. No, not since I, okay. Because the, the level at which this occurs is more real than anything local and beyond a place where human, how do I put this? You know, here on earth, we have to use thinking discernment using our thinking objects. That's how we decide things on earth. So if we're in that mode, of course, we will have thinking doubts, but the layer of being at which these things happen is transcendent. I guess that's the only way I can put it. So for me, I have no doubt. Now, there are moments when I may doubt, you know, certain, certain thoughts I've had about it as a result, <laughs> but the experience itself is not like that. Uh, our true being is so real that when you get in touch with it, 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 it's not up for debate. It's not, uh, it, it's, it's realness is self-evident. You could say totally self-evident in a way that is quite immune to, you know, the, the ponderances of the thinking mind. Now, you've come here, to, and part of your challenge was to assuage some low-level fears that you had, low-vibrational fears. How are you doing? Yeah, I wouldn't say assuage. I would say that I'm actually here to fully feel and get into the deepest nitty-gritty darkness possible. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and I have been doing that. I mean, uh, I have. so I had post-traumatic stress in my 20s after this main event because I had, I had not integrated it, but through about six years of counseling, I healed layer after layer after layer. And I, I felt layer after layer. And I still sometimes have experiences where this rises up and that's okay. okay. Um, but the path then is one of feeling. It's one of allowing, not one of trying to make better and go away. It's one of actually, no, like I, I have felt this way and I will allow myself to feel it and know it. And basically to know everything about my experience, to let myself feel all of what this experience is without locking pieces away, without judging, without putting new labels on it, just fully experiencing everything, even going to the bathroom, <laughs> you know, fully experiencing that. That's, that's what this is about, is a full, okay. aware, alert knowing. Now, a lot of folks say, and I've had a lot of guests on the show talking about we're in a kind of an ascension time, and of course, linear time is, can, can be tricky uh, because everything technically is happening at the same time, and we just see things linearly. 
in 3D, but some people say that there's a split coming where some people are going to ascend to like fifth dimension and other folks are saying, that's not for me. And they're not going to, and they're not going to recognize maybe ETs and things like that. And there's a bifurcation happening with the planet. What's your take on all of that? Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't know anything about a bifurcation. I know I've read about a bifurcation in Dolores Cannon's books. My wife and I are reading them mm-hmm. right now. I don't have any personal knowledge of a bifurcation, but I, I do remember in my pre-birth experience knowing very plainly that the human race is now at this point in time, you know, was going to, and is now going through an awakening process. And that awakening was just like, it's just known. It's just seen, yes, this is what the human race is doing. Now we're waking up and we're doing it rather quickly. And there's going to be some friction (laughs) because there's a lot of old fear that is coming up to be processed. And, you know, you made a comment earlier about all the fear out there in the world. I'm not making light of it, but actually it's the fear in us. And that is old fear that is coming up for the, for a large to a large part, coming up to be faced and processed and healed precisely because we are awakening. You know, we're beginning to question a lot of these old patterns and actually gain in awareness. And these kind of discussions, I think, are going to be more common. You know, because humans are waking up, and as that vibration increases, the number of people that are aware and the depth that we're each aware is is going to increase because that vibrational distance is very slowly decreasing. Are you optimistic about the future for humanity? Absolutely. Absolutely optimistic. Optimism is the only, there's no, life can't fail. I'll put it that way. Life can't fail. Love can't fail. Yeah. Things can crash and die and break, but yeah, I'm very optimistic. (laughs) Fantastic. Okay. Christian Sundberg, my special guest, The book is A Walk in the Physical, Understanding the Human Experience Within the Larger Spiritual Context. Great job. Really fascinating stuff. I hope we can do it again. And thank you so much for being on Guys Guys Radio. Terrific. Thank you so much, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you. It's Guys Guy Radio. Okay, a really fascinating interview with Christian Sundberg. Very nice guy, good guy, and I believe his experience because he's not really looking to capitalize on it. He's not sensationalizing what he's doing. It's coming from the heart, and it's a very unique experience that he's had and shared with us. And so what did we learn? I think we learned that there's a lot more going on between lives than we consider and we think about, and the fact that we can be born again, many times, many incarnations, and ultimately the universe and the whole solar system, everything is all about the love and our connection with spirit and our own personal ascension. So regardless of what you think, it's really great and believe it's really great to hear that somebody who has had experiences like Christian says it's all about the love. So Guys Guys Radio, we're here every Wednesday evening on KCAA Radio in Southern California at 8 p.m. Pacific Time, 102.3, 106.5 FM, 10.50 a.m. The podcast and my YouTube and Rumble all post worldwide Thursdays. So you can catch Guys Guys Radio or Guys Guys TV wherever you consume your podcast and YouTube and Rumble. We're there for you. We ask you one thing. If you like the guests and the content that I generate and offer you each and every week to the show, 
please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just go to Robert Manny, M-A-N-N-I. Subscribe to Apple Podcasts, wherever, or wherever, wherever else you consume your podcasts. And I thank you for your support. Now, you can also catch me, uh, Robert Manny, M-A-N-N-I, on my website, robertmanny.com, where there is over 300 blog posts about life, love, the pursuit of happiness, all different types of subjects, wellness, fitness, relationships, money, life, work, sex, etc., etc., etc. And you can also download three free chapters of my novel, The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love, which has been called The Male Successor to Sex in the City. It's a kind of a rom-com, a blue sky romp about two dudes in New York City who work in advertising and their competition for love, sex, power, and money. And that's how we roll on Guys Guys Radio. It all started with my novel, The Guys Guys Guide to Love. You can also, if you like the three free chapters, you can pick up the book digital or the physical book on Amazon or wherever you buy your books. And I thank you so much for your support. We have got an amazing lineup of guests. I, I am booked and booked and booked right into the summer. And I think you're really going to enjoy some of the folks we're going to talk with. I've got a couple of very well-known channels coming up, including Lee Carroll, who he and uh, Monica Morani, his partner, they uh, Lee has been channeling Cryon since uh, 1989. So we're going to have them on the show. We've got some other folks coming up lady by the name of Christy Whitman, who channels, channels a group called The Council. So I've got back-to-back channels coming up. I've got some experts in a lot of other areas, including uh, public relations and uh, the book, the Tao book, the Tao Ching, I Ching. And I, I think you're really going to enjoy some of the things we have to offer. And what we do here on Guys Guys Radio is my goal is to bring you new information that you may not have the time or the wherewithal to find or think about, and then you can determine if this stuff that I bring you vibes in your world and it's something you want to learn more about. And then if you can, you can look up my guests so you can just look up the subjects they talk about and you can kind of add them to your palette, more colors to your palette as you are the artist who creates your life. So thanks so much for tuning in. We're going to be back next week. Thank you to my guests. Thank you to Chris, my wonderful producer. And thank you most of all to you, my wonderful audience. We're going to see you next week. And as I always like to say, Guys, guys, finish first. <laughs>